welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. This is our first podcast. I think this is our first podcast. Welcome to the Bleachers. It is Bleacher Blums, and I am your host, co-host Jeff Blum. On the left coast, we've got David Tuttle, who is also a co-host on this show. We are good friends, ex-professional athletes, ex-collegiate athletes, and all-around good dudes and dads who are fathers of multiples. And we have a good time talking a lot on this podcast, so we greatly appreciate all of you tuning in, listening to Bleacher Blums. Tuttle, I've got... I've got a little something interesting to talk about with you to start off the top. All right. And it has a lot to do with, we talk about how you guys, you know, everybody who listens to this podcast can go to Twitter or Instagram. We keep it real simple. I've got one handle for both uh, social media sites, at Blummer27, Tuttle also, at Real David Tuttle on both of those websites, and or apps, whatever you want to call them, social media platforms if we're being technical. And... I'm I'm chilling on the couch, you know, I maybe have a beer sitting next to me and I'm watching something and I look up on Instagram and I see a story from David Tuttle. This doesn't happen all that often. And I see a story of David Tuttle and I'm like, holy crap, I got to see this. I don't know what's going on. I'm figuring it's just going to be a link to the podcast promoting us, but no. I flip this thing on and all of a sudden out of screen right comes this dude all of a sudden on his hands, upside down, walking across the screen. And it's my boy, David Tuttle. Tuttle, <laughs> what the hell is going on in that CrossFit class that you are 50 years old and you're upside down walking on your hands, dude? If I did that, every ligament in my wrist, elbow, and shoulder would d- disintegrate upon me getting up there and I'd land up flat on my skull, dude. Congrats on getting the handstand walking across the room done, dude. So... That was actually a poor effort, but uh, I appreciate That's that. That's poor? Mean, hey, yeah. This what are you doing on a good day? Yeah, I can get across the gym most days. Yeah. Jeez. I know. But uh, no, I appreciate you bringing that up. I put on my story because uh, somebody was videoing that. But you know, you get a better handle on what these crazy CrossFit classes do for you. But uh, if you think about being able to do that at age 50, I mean, come on. You know, I can. I feel like I can do anything, especially do a podcast with a guy. You keep saying we're good buddies, but man, the more we prep and jump on these things last second, I think Plummer's going to disown me at some point. Like, <laughs> all right, what, 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 I'm a professional it, here programmed. and you just come on. Yeah. You're like, here we go. Anyway, um, yeah, so, I mean, I say this all the time. My favorite thing about CrossFit, honestly, as I get older, is being able to do all these crazy movements that they do. And I do get some, um, I mean, most people don't think I'm 50, but uh, you get some of the uh, kind of the, um, I don't know. I, I mean, you, you're you still competitive, but, you know, a 25-year-old guy, we know this from baseball, is going to, you know, throw the ball harder and be a little more uh, adept at doing these things. And so my pride in CrossFit is, you know, staying young, staying healthy as possible, but really being able to do all these movements. And one of those movements, like you said, is walking on your hands. And so uh, only a few people in class were able to do it. And I just thought, hey, let me let me give this thing a whirl. So not bad for yeah. an old pitcher, I guess. Heck, yeah, that's real good, dude. The unfortunate thing is I know my limits, and my mm. limit is not getting upside down. My limit is trying yeah. to keep everything upright. Getting out of bed half the time is mm. is getting, uh, you know, that's my limit. And if I roll out of bed and I'm relatively pain-free, I mean, I've got a threshold. I think I live at about a three or four now, <laughs> considering. Well, but once I get things rolling, I actually feel somewhat better. But that initial blast out of the bed, woof, that's, oh, a, no, it's that's hurting. 
No, it is. It's hard. And I, and I think that that's the mental side of this thing that I've kind of carried with me. I mean, I definitely, my shoulder is still not what it was. I mean, I have some issues there and I know you have some uh, lingering things. And part of that is what we did before, you know, for a living, like physical activity, but also part of it is just getting older. So I'm just trying to stay uh, mentally strong. And I think, you know, challenging yourself and doing new things uh, keeps you mentally strong, which again, you know, may translate into some physicality. But I appreciate you uh, noticing and uh, maybe, maybe, I, maybe I have a screw loose, man. Maybe I do. <laughs> I think we all do. I th- you know, that's just nature of the beast and that you know, kind of the underlying competitiveness of, of us. And the, the, I mean, I don't know if it's a delusion, but, uh, you know, I still have whimsical thoughts of the fact that, man, I could still do that, but then I'm, I'm harshly reminded that I can't. So I do the best I can with what I've got right now. And you're a Peloton maniac. I've seen you. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll ride my ass off on the bike. I mean, that sounds terrible on the bike because it does kind of hurt your ass after a while, but you know, I do what I can. I know my limits and that the bike, the Peloton bike actually, uh, protects my my knees and my ankles and stuff because my knees kill me. Yeah, uh, you know I, I don't run anymore. I'll walk, but I I need to. My knees hurt, man. Yeah, don't sell yourself short, Blummer. You're a tremendous slouch on the Peloton. Yes, hey, I am. Thank you, Judge. <laughs> let's let's jump into this thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so lots happened actually in the last week or so, and surprisingly enough, we keep talking. Everybody says hot stove, hot stove. Oh, it's uh, it's simmering a little bit. I think it's actually kind of gone into full effect. I think there's a, at least one burner on uh, the the stove right now because there's a lot of things moving. And one of the things that actually happened, and this thing kind of shocked me, and Tuttle even tweeted about it um, at Real Day. David Tuttle on Twitter if you want to follow him, but he kind of tweeted at me when uh, Brent Strom at the end of the World Series, the emotional interview saying he's not going to be the Astros pitching coach in 2022. And I think the assumption at his age and everything he had accomplished was, well, he's going to go into retirement. He's going to, he's going to consult He's going to be available, but he's just going to take himself off the field and kind of be available in that sense, which makes perfect sense. This guy has had an extended career, had his hands on a lot of great pitchers, and really left an indelible mark on the game on what a pitching coach can and should be. And then, lo and behold, as soon as we get over the realization that Brent Strom is is retiring from the Astros, it had to be, man, a week, two weeks later, all of a sudden, we find out he's going to be the pitching coach in Arizona, and you know, my initial reaction was, holy crap, that happened quick. I was just, it wasn't the fact that Brent Strom was going to be a pitching coach. It was the fact that he was going to be a pitching coach somewhere else so quickly. I think it was this, the rapid movement that kind of caught all of us off guard down here in Houston. Uh, what were your initial thoughts on that, Tuttle? You know, it's weird. My radar went up when you said, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously being inside the Astros organization and you've just talked uh, glowingly about Brent Strom consistently, I initially thought it doesn't really seem like he's retiring. And I don't know if I connected the dots in the incorrect way. Um, you mentioned Jake Odorizzi and I said, did, uh, did Dusty and he have a falling out? And, you know, with COVID, your distance is a little bit further, but you were kind of like, well, they didn't have a, you know, they didn't have a head-to-head meeting, but you could just see that there was some tension. He took him out when he didn't want to, and he rushed him back, and you had all those things. So, Again, that's not related to Brent Strom in the same capacity, but it 
it just when he said I'm not going to be back with the Houston Astros always sounds a little bit different than I'm going to ride off into the sunset and we've been to the World Series 3 or 4 years so just that just that jargon just that lingo kind of raised a red flag for me meaning it seemed like he had a little more in the tank and obviously very shortly thereafter he uh he proved that and maybe you could shed some light on like Tori Lavolo's the Tori Lavolo is the manager over there I didn't know if they have a personal relationship or um a long-term relationship when you're around the game as long as Brent is, and this is how you and I became friends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows that guy. You know, yeah, it's and two so, degrees of David Tuttle. It's not that's six right. degrees. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I mean, in baseball, it is. It's two degrees yeah. of anybody. So, I mean, you you're connected to these guys a lot of like first first relationship. But um, so I want to know about that. But I also I kind of took a quick glance at the Diamondbacks pitching staff, and that was the other thing that I think. You know, this year we kind of criticized the Astros bullpen for sure, but you know, maybe Strom didn't know if Verlander was going to come back and he's looking at, all right, I got a lot of work to do with this Luis Garcia and I got a lot of work to do with some of these guys. And, you know, if we keep Maton and even Presley will be kind of the guy, I guess Lance McCullers, if he comes back healthy, but he's had, you know, been dinged up. So I think it was a little piecemeal. And so maybe it wasn't all the relationship that he had with Dusty or the, the coaching staff. But I looked at that Arizona Diamondbacks rotation and some of the arms that they have coming up and their pitching staff, and I think Brent Strom went, you know what, I am not ready to retire, but look at these dudes. I mean, he's got some dudes over there, and if he can make those guys pitch the way he wants, rock and roll. Dude, yeah, you can't see it in the video, but I was pointing at Tuttle as he was saying that because when he started out talking about Brent Strom and moving and getting away from the Astros and starting anew in Arizona, I do believe that Brent might have a house out in Arizona. I don't know. That may play into it. You know, a little more comfort. He deserves it. But I wrote down development versus veteran. And, you know, he may have gotten to the point in Houston where he's exhausted himself as far as what he can do, or he's established a good enough foundation for, uh, you know, Murphy is the bench coach and Josh Miller is the, the bullpen coach. Maybe he left a good enough foundation with those guys to be able to continue or maintain, uh, you know, some of that effect and allow those guys to go out and produce. Because like you said, Luis Garcia, Jose Urquidy, Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, there are some young guys in that organization who were lucky enough to be with Brent Strong for two years. So maybe that was enough to impart enough wisdom and and, and love and nurturing to let those guys continue to go. And Brent said, maybe my time's done here. And when I say development, to Tuttle's point, moving to Arizona, it is a young staff. It's a young team. They're learning. And maybe that's where he wants to get his hands because you're starting to have these young, great pitchers come up, and it's another opportunity to get his arms around these guys and develop another great pitching staff in a, in a situation where you know, development is expected as opposed to winning. Because I think if you once you develop, then the winning will come, and that's what he's probably trying to create over there in, uh, in Arizona. And just a, a quick thought. Uh, talking about the six degrees of everybody in baseball, Torrey Lovello, I was turning double plays with him in 1996-97 in AAA, so there's an immediate contact, and I, I still know Torrey. When they come through town or we go through town, hopefully eventually soon, uh, I, I will go over and have a conversation. We'll talk about turning double plays with uh, Torrey Lovello as the Ottawa Lynx back in the day, so that's kind of funny how that works out. Well, it is. I'm. I, I'm sure I ran across him as well. But uh, you know, a lot of these guys get into coaching after Chip Hale comes to mind. You know, yeah. when I was over at the Dimebacks, and then he worked his way up. And you know, there's just a bunch of guys um, over there. But uh, you know, you have Madison Bumgarner, who's probably on his way out, but sets a good example. And then you look at the young guys on their staff, like Stefan and some other guys that were really, you know, they're looking at guys to mm-hmm. be, you know, the front line. And I think 
development is one thing. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I second what you said. So I just think he probably thought, you know, a bunch of things, but I never got the sense that he was going to retire and, uh, good for him. I mean, hopefully, hopefully you guys don't have to play them in the world series, I guess, but it can't be any worse than snicker, you know, snicker young and snicker old, uh, getting it, getting (laughs) after it in the world series. So it's they're They're going to cross paths at some point, but, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Brent Strom much better than I do, but we got to wish him well, because, uh, you know, onward and upward. I mean, he obviously made the decision that was right for him and his family. Yeah, no, nothing but love from Houston. Brent Strom was also my pitching coach in double A. So, I, I mean, I've known Stromy forever and all the best to him. You're right. He is one of the best. Um, how about the fact that the the free agent market is is really heated up for pitchers? Uh, Jose Barrios up in uh, Canada for the Toronto Blue Jays got a, got an extension, a healthy one, which I think is is brilliant on their part. They've already got Robbie Ray. They're probably going to try and extend him too, who just won the Cy Young. But Jose Barrios was a great call. His ERA has actually gotten considerably better over the over the over his career, and I think he's one of those young arms that really could go out there and propel them into a playoff contention out there in the American League East. But I think we are starting to see with the way the offense is played in Major League Baseball with the three true outcomes, you're either going to walk, hit a home run, or you're going to strike out. So offense has actually gone down. The American League leading hitter, Yuli Gurriel, hit 317. That is one of the lowest winning batting averages in all of you know the history of batting titles. Yep. So the interesting thing to me is offenses are going down. How about the fact that pitchers are now the quarterbacks of the of the NFL. So I'm trying to draw the comparison. I think there's emphasis on the pitchers in baseball being compared to the quarterbacks because of their value. And the reason I say that is because Noah Syndergaard for the California, damn it, ah. Los Angeles Angels. Of South, Southern LA, something yeah, of the, north. Of the base yeah. of San Gabriel Mountains, has signed a one-year contract with the Angels. Good for the Angels. They had to sign this guy. Shohei Otani's only making like five, six million dollars. So adding another three million to the qualifying offer he was getting to the Mets was a, probably an easy call. But they had to go do it. I, there is risk, but I think it's uh, it's a quality risk because if Syndergaard is Syndergaard, that dude's pretty damn good, and they need an elite ace in their staff, and he provides that. The only thing I don't like is the one just a one year deal. So if if he pitches his tail off and does what he's supposed to do, he's gone. Maybe yeah. give him an option. Um, but the Mets are a mess. They can't even you know they can't even uh, compete with that offer. I don't think, which kind of shocked me a little bit to try and keep him and keep your fan base involved. But he's yeah. going from the right coast to the left coast. And I wanted to hear what you had to, you know, what you thought about Noah Syndergaard because what Noah Syndergaard did in signing that twenty-one million dollar deal had an effect on what the Astros just did with Justin Verlander. You know, you texted me, and that did. Um, I don't know. I mean, to your point, the Angels needed somebody like that. Now, hopefully, that brings somebody else. The one-year deal, to your point, kind of makes it a little temporary. But if mm-hmm. he is Noah Syndergaard, and maybe. You know, maybe they end up extending him here if that if that goes well. Mm-hmm. The Angels should not sign any more position players until they get a <laughs> staff that has three or four guys deep. And I think the statistic was on um, SportsCenter the other night when Shohei Otani, of course, won um, uh, MVP. His let's see his let's see his ERA was like three point oh six or something like that, and the rest of the staff was like five point two nine. The rest of the starters. Ooh. So here's a guy who hit, you know, 48, 50 home runs. I don't even remember how many Otani hit, but he obviously led the league with home runs. He was a really big force in their lineup. 
and he had a three ERA, which, you know, you just talked about Berrios. I think Berrios was kind of up and down. His ERA was three, three or three, four, and he just got a huge deal. So, I mean, you have an elite pitcher in Otani, but basically teams could just load up against everybody else. So if you have a three game series or four game series and you're facing Otani or you're not, you're just going to collect your uh, wins, you know, on the day that Otani doesn't pitch. So now yeah. a Syndergaard and Otani add one other That's person in there. One too. That's right. And then you're going to get Rendon and Trout back. I mean, Trout really has to stay healthy. I sometimes wonder if Trout um, doesn't. Trout's looking at the sports pages like we are. He's like, eh, we're 50 games out of first place. Like, yeah, I think. Why uh, yeah, I think I'm going to take it easy, you know. And obviously, he's not doing that. But uh, anyway, so I think it's a good signing for the Angels. I would love to hear from you how that relates to Verlander. I know they made a qualifying offer at 18 point for for, for Verlander, but he got a little bit more than that. Anyway, I have something to to add to that after too. So, what? How does that affect what Verlander did? Oh well, we're talking about setting markets, and I mm-hmm. think that's why I kind of. You know, and I was listening to the Spa Track uh, podcast. They do a very good job of breaking down contracts and having some pretty good opinions on that. And that's what kind of made me think about it in comparison of, you know, it, you know, Kirk Cousins may not be worth the contract he is, but he's a very good quarterback and he allows you an opportunity to win. That's why he gets overpaid. And I think the idea of what free agent pitchers are out there, you know, the availability in trades, who's available, what are you willing to give up? And I think that's why, you know, maybe Noah Syndergaard got overpaid a little bit. I think that's why Justin Verlander got overpaid a little bit or the Astros were a little more aggressive. And I like it because, you know, if those two guys are healthy, both of them are coming off Tommy John surgeries. If those guys are who they are, that you're not going to complain about the 25 million. And considering where... The, the Angels are with the lack of pitching, yeah. uh, where the Astros are as far as payroll is concerned, because you've got Zen, you've got Granky coming off, and now you just lost seven or eight million off of the contract you previously had with Justin Verlander. So you've got you're getting a little bit of a discount, you're getting money back. Yet it's an aggressive move to make sure that you have a guy in the top two three spots of your rotation, yep. and that's what I like about it. You know, I don't think it's going to steal any thunder from Lance McCullers Jr. You know, it, or it shouldn't. I think that you know. Justin Verlander's the guy that's got something to go out there and prove. I think Lance McCullers has put himself in a great spot to be a leader in a rotation, even if JV's in it. But of course, you know, egos are involved in situations, so that's all going to have to play itself out. Yeah. But I do like the fact that they put that player option on there. So it's basically a two year deal at $50 million. If you say player option, you and I both know what, what do I want to take the money or not? You know, if Justin Verlander goes 35 and 0 with a, you know, one flat ERA, then maybe yeah. I might forget about the option and go see what I can do. But right. I think what, you know, the expectation for me right now is a million dollars a start. Give me yep. 25 quality starts. And if we get past that, we're winning big time. And I think the way things set up with this rotation, don't be surprised. And when you, I'm going to ask you about this and see how you feel about it or if I explained what I was talking about enough, is I'm going to rattle off some names in this rotation and the possibility of signing, the possibility of trades by signing Justin Verlander are created for the Astros. What I was going to say is that you mentioned the discount and that makes a lot of sense with the contract. So he had a two year 66. So he's making 33. The qualifying offer takes him to 18. So they're already going to be out 18 if he accepts that, right? If he goes mm-hmm. somewhere else, then they're free and clear there. So to your point, when Syndergaard signs, they look at it like, hey, for six or $7 million, we watched him throw the other day. He's throwing 95 and he looks healthy and he wants to be here for six or $7 million more, $7 million more. 
we can add Justin Verlander. And to your point, I think when you're sitting in an office or even on this podcast having the discussion, it's a no-brainer. <laughs> and, yeah, who compares and I think, to that? Who at twenty five million? Who else are you going to get that's as exactly. could be as good? Yeah, exactly. So I think that that there you go. You explained it very well, and that that made a lot of sense to me because I was thinking, gosh, it seemed like you said I didn't see how one contract affected the other. Thought he could take the uh, qualifying offer. Only one player took the qualifying offer. By the way, my giant Brandon Belt. Yep. So there Brandon you go. Belt. And I think that's smart. I mean, it's comfortable. It's easy. Man, yeah, that was an. E- I think <laughs> it was almost a courtesy by the Giants to extend that yeah. to him because I think Brandon's like, please, I want to come back. You know, I, I think, yeah. and he wants one more year to play with these guys. They had a great year last year. Yeah, and I think they're actually the the scuttlebutt on the Giants here on the left coast is that they're going to probably negotiate a two or three year deal with him as well. He's not that yeah. old. He had some injuries, and it's like they want him to stick around. They lost Posey and his contract as well. Crawford he retired, got two so years. Yeah, that's right. So I think he'll be around. But I, I just I thought I'd throw that out there. Only one guy took the qualifying offer, but I think um, you were going to mention some names. But like you said, they'll work the ego thing out. Verlander and McCullers is a great place to start a rotation. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. Dusty's happy. Yeah, Dusty's very happy about that. I agree, and you know. Tuttle mentioning who who the only player to take the qualifying offer means that Carlos Correa did not take the qualifying offer. I think it was pretty obvious. We talked about it last podcast, uh, talking about how the Astros are just protecting themselves and allowing them a supplemental draft pick to maybe you know compensate for Carlos Correa leaving. So that was just that was just business working right there. But let's look at the rotation. So you've got Verlander or McCullers, one A, one B, Framber Valdez, Luis Garcia, Jose Urquidy. There is your starting, there's your five-man rotation. Now, I'm going to offer up a couple of different ideas because I'm going to throw a couple more names at you. Jake Odorizzi, Odorizzi has one more year on his contract. Christian Javier can extend himself and be a very good starting pitcher. In the minor leagues, you've got Hunter Brown, who is, by all reports and some of the video I've seen, is a legit dude who could fill a rotation. He's not going to be top end until he gets to the big leagues and figures it out, but he could be a 4-5 guy as a rookie. Peter Solomon showed signs of being a very good quality starting pitcher in the back end of your rotation. And then there's Forrest Whitley, who also had Tommy John surgery and coming back from that. So if he can get right and get back to that prospect status, he offers an opportunity, too, to get in that rotation. Now, that gives you an extended amount of guys. So here are two of the options I'm going to throw out there. And, tell, and you know, Tuttle, tell me if I'm crazy. The first one is obviously trades. We know that we can trade guys. They have the depth to go out there. So if you want to trade, and you already mentioned – Jake Odorizzi has a little bit of history with Dusty Baker. If they could unload him and get a prospect in return or get a player in return, that'd be great, and maybe package him up with a guy like Peter Solomon, who has shown that he can pitch at the big league level but hasn't been given the opportunity because of the depth here in Houston. There's an opportunity. The second one, you're going you're gonna to love this being an ex-old-school type pitcher. What if the Astros go six-man rotation? protect everybody and keep their innings down, go six-man rotation to start the season and kind of play it out. Hey, I mean, I like it. I I, I think more teams should have that anyway because why would you skip a guy and it kind of throws everything in arrears, right? Like if, you, if JV, you know, the NBA does this stuff all the time and you didn't prep me for this question, but it makes me think of, no. remember they went from taking this days off. Point. Yeah. All of the NBA guys are still talking. They're like, are the Warriors the team to beat? And, you know, uh, Phoenix is playing great. They're like, talk to me after Christmas. Mm-hmm. And they say it every year. Talk to me after Christmas. Let's get 30 games under our belt. The You know, it's, you know, right before the halfway point, before the All-Star break. You have 40 games to go. You got a good... Um, 
I don't know, as they say, put it on paper or whatever. You got a good, you got a good CV or resume for what you're going to be. Mm-hmm. And then let's, let's make sure we get in the playoffs where we want to get in the playoffs. Why would you extend, you know, Justin Verlander? Yes, you want to see him. Yes, you want to, you know, I, I totally agree with you. And what happens if you start with a five-man rotation is two weeks in or a month in, you're like, all right, everybody's had three or four starts. You're like, oh, we're going to skip a start for him or we're going to skip. And now it's like chess pieces. Like, well, we got to move him, then we'll make him the long guy. And then we're going to just start with a six-man rotation, which like you said, I mean, you thought it might be crazy. It doesn't sound crazy to me. But I do also, I wrote down all the names because I'm not always up on Houston. I mean, I like Christian Javier where he was. You don't have to extend him. But Urquidy, I mean, is a really solid, he might even move mm. into a three starter. I mean, he's a four or fifth starter. I think, he, I think can go, he could be right on that. Yeah. He can go all the time. Fromber, of course, has to throw strikes, but I could see Fromber being your four or five. And then, you know, Oda Rizzi, if Dusty doesn't like him, I, the problem with that scenario that you mentioned at the outset is I don't know what you can get for Oda Rizzi. He had two really good years in the big leagues, one especially with the Twins. I think that was his all star year. Mm-hmm. And, Maybe it just hasn't worked out, and he hadn't he hadn't gotten back healthy. If he can show, that would be the only challenge. Is that I don't know if he showed enough this year. Um, actually, in the World Series playoffs, he was kind of valuable. He was the long guy, and he, well, you know, I think he got that's extended. What kind of hoping at hoping hoping for is how he finished, not how he pitched throughout right. the course of the season. You're right. Yeah. So anyway, so that would be the one hiccup in this plan is like, hey, if you trade him, but I don't. You know, here we go. We're having this hot stove thing, and we're lighting this, and we're getting it all fired up. And you know what's going to happen? This same thing that happened when the Rams traded for Odell Beckham Jr. It's like, hey, we have a, we have an, we have a plethora of riches. We have all this stuff. Oh, Robert Woods tore his ACL in practice. Oh, Damn. shit, we have to do something. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we might have to pump the brakes on the six man rotation to make sure that we're talking on April first here. Like. All right, mm-hmm. all these guys came out of spring training healthy, and all these guys look really good, you know. So there's that too. But I, I like the idea. Obviously, I ran with it. I mean, a six man rotation instead of doing those little starters. Let's have a starter, you know, a, an opener. Excuse opener. me. Opener. Yeah. Yeah. I got to. They're all starters, right? So yeah. Let's let's have the opener theory. No, a six man rotation. You heard it here first, Blummer. Um, yeah. When when we take over a team, when you when we've been good at this, when we, there's an expansion team and you manage it, and I'm the pitching coach, we're going to go a six man rotation. That is what I'm talking about. Hopefully sooner than later, that would be a lot of fun, dude. Uh, <laughs> you know what? You know what else is interesting about this? And I was thinking about this also because of our last podcast. We got kind of we went off on the the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement. You know, expiring on December first, and I was kind of curious. I'm like, man, this seems like a lot of free agent signings before the collective bargaining agreements up. And I wonder if it has something to do with that deadline. So you're signing these guys under the current agreement. So it kind of gave me the idea. So the current agreement is very good for free agent signings, but the agreement moving forward is not good for younger players. And it kind of try. it almost kind of puts things in perspective. Like we were talking about how you feel like the current CBA negotiation coming up is going to be contentious, but it's also going to be maybe more or less based on when these guys become free agents. And I know the idea of paying these guys uh, based on war, that's, you know, that's a whole other podcast. We'll kind of save that for later. But I, think, I thought it was kind of interesting to see these guys signing. And I actually think, I was actually pretty positive about the situation. I was like, man, I think this is a good sign for the CBA moving forward. Because whether or not the, the players like Rob Manford or Rob Manford likes the players – ownership seems pretty content and in signing guys for free agency 
but they're also showing that they're not afraid to spend some money so maybe the owners and players can hammer this thing out and maybe just use Manfred as a conduit. Yeah. And I thought I was pretty pumped about this actually. Well, that's, I mean, I, I didn't think about it in that context and I think you're, you're absolutely right. I think when business as usual is going on. Yeah. It's a good, yeah. That's a good way to put yeah, it. Yeah. Right. Cause agents are doing business and baseball is doing business. The owners, the GMs, it's kind of like, Oh, if business as usual, I mean, because I remember, um, being with the Reds during the strike shortened year, or when mm-hmm. they there was the lockout at spring training, was it a lockout? And we had scab. No, the strike. The players- it was a strike. Yeah, yeah. Ninety four. Maybe str- uh, crossing the line. The the scabs that were crossing the line yeah. in uh, what yeah. early ninety five, maybe. Yeah, spring it was ninety four, ninety five spring training. Yeah. Aaron Boone was my roommate, and that was his first spring training. And here he is, like, you know, the grandson. No, I'm just saying the grandson of a guy who like came down the union. It's like. You know, if you needed a voice in the clubhouse, Aaron's like, "Yeah, we're not, uh, we're not going to be scabs." Like he's like, "We're not going over there." So, but it was really cool to have that on the minor league side. I mean, that was like his first year, cool. second year, and we were like, "Okay, we'll just uh, hang out at the condo and not do anything." But, uh, but what I was going to say about that is that that was really contentious, and they talked about it all off season. It kind of led into that. So I'm only going by the vibe or the feel. But what mm-hmm. you just said made me think of that time because I remember. I mean, you know, Jim Bowden was like in the in the clubhouse screaming at guys, telling them like, "All you want to do is play baseball, and you know, you're not part of the union yet." Like that kind of thing. Like just, oh man, playing you know that. Games. Anyway, I got stories about that too. But uh, for another day, all I was going to say is that I think you're right. I think it's a good sign, business as usual, because I remember that year. But prior to the strike, it was the talk of the talk of the town, and right now it doesn't seem to be. Um, a concern for all the parties involved. So I think we'll make it happen. And, uh, you know, and I say we, baseball, will make it happen. Um, and like I said, there'll be some barbs and we'll hear some things, but they're, you know, whatever the heavy issues are of the day, they'll hammer it out, I think. They will. And you know what? We're going to hammer out a word from our sponsor. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts that help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. We appreciate that word from our sponsor, and we appreciate Blue Wire Podcast helping us out and getting us out there and distributing this podcast so everybody can enjoy it. And we're going to get back into a little bit of our old school mode, Tuttle. I'm going to put it on a tee for you, man. Knock it out of the park. What do we got? Nice. What'll Tuttle say? Hey, um, so this one, I I know we're kind of up against the clock today, but uh, 
I wanted to mention to you that uh, we have a chore list in our house. And I think we started this before with you. Um, I said, do you guys have a group text in your house? Because I always think it's silly to text like my daughter or my son that's Mm -hmm. upstairs, like, you know, a hundred feet away. And you said, absolutely. You know, it's like, hey, who's emptying the dishwasher? Who's doing that? But somebody is going to have to explain to me why we have a chore list. We've had the chore list in the house for a long time, got three kids. My daughter, actually, who's super artistic, um, when she was 11, made this cool chore chart where it had a little spin thing on it. So every year or every week, we switch the chores because people get tired of it. So it's like a three-week thing where she spins it, and then you end up with these chores. So really cool and creative. But I come home every day and say, whose job is it to empty the dishwasher? Who was supposed to feed the dog? Who's supposed to take the trash out? Who's? I mean, like I'm the town crier. What is the purpose of a chore list if you have children who are able to read and they understand what all of the uh, terminology and the, the words on the page mean, but they don't flip and do what is on the list? I mean, there's the Waddle Tuttle say of the day. And I know you have stories around this and we don't have to get too in, yeah, in we're depth. Parents, but man. This, I mean, my kids are 17 and 16 and still do this. I know. That's my point. So you've got nothing that, to look forward to. It only it only maintains oh, itself. I, I wish yeah. I could give you hope. There's no hope. I know. And and when do they appreciate it? You know, I, I I've said this. My wife rolls her eyes every time you, I say when this. When you make saying, the deposit. Yeah. Thank you. That must be it. <laughs> because my favorite saying, and I've said this, and it's old school because it was Mark Twain. But you know, as a boy of fourteen, I couldn't believe what an ignorant fool my father was. And now, <laughs> as a man of twenty-one, I see how much he's learned in seven years. I think mm-hmm. that you know the age may be different now because the kids stay at home longer, 14 and 21. But when they come home and they're 23 and they're paying their own bills is when the magic happens. Is that what I'm waiting for, yeah. 24, 25, for them to go, oh, this is how the real world works. Like I have that long to wait. I'm like, I'm gonna, I don't know if I can make it that long. Dude, trust me, chores are the same way. And, I, and I actually, I might steal the spin wheel thing <laughs> idea because we've kind of, we just, we were like, you're doing this, you're doing that. And keep in mind, you've got a dog, we've got a dog, yeah. somebody's got to pick up the poop. Usually uh-huh. it's me or Corey. But at the same time, we're like, why isn't the trash taken out? Why isn't this? What? And you're doing the same thing. You're like, why? I hear the garbage truck go by. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> it's like, who's gonna yeah, but you're running up? out there in your underwear. It's not your kids. Exactly. They're upstairs. And, and you're like, wait, why, why am it? I running out there? You know, on the ring doorbell camera, here goes dad in his drawers and flip-flops, you know, yeah. firing the, throwing my trash at the trash guy. It's yeah. insane. It, it, that's But that's, you know, that's what we do. And I, <laughs> now that they're old enough and they're talking about college, I'm like, you guys suck as roommates. You guys are yeah. terrible. <laughs> you, you guys got to get better roommates. There you go. I'm that's funny. I'm shaming them. I'm going straight Twitter uh, trolling. Him. I'm like, you guys oh, suck. Your roommates are going to hate you. Yeah, your roommates are the worst. <laughs> um, you know what's funny and the reason I bring it up, and maybe you know, having the listeners chime in would be great. I mean, if there are any tried and true things, or maybe, like you said, you have some great stories about kids doing chores or not doing chores. I mean, on occasion, when the parents get mad enough, I have one of my children who will do kind of all the chores. She'll do the chores for the other kids and be like, we all right, one of those two, yeah. are we, we all square? Like, oh. like, all right, I did. I fed the dog. I got the garbage out. I cleaned the bathroom okay are we are we good mom and dad you're not gonna go you know blow your stack again i'm like well i love having a kid like that but we are also um heavy into my son is the same age as uh most of your daughters um and he's the teenage is settling in big time right now so we're (laughs) we're not we're not meeting in the middle it's like uh it's one 
one battle after the next. So anyway, keeping it light, uh, the chore list is, um, it's written, it's very nice, it's artistic in our house, but it's mom and dad every day running through the laundry list of chores that need to be done or chores that haven't been done or chores that were overlooked or chores that they never thought were theirs. Um, and that's that's what I got for what I'll Tuttle say. So I'd love to hear from some of the listeners about good chore stories or tried and true ways to uh, maybe incentivize your roommates, in Blum's case, in my case, children, to uh, <laughs> to kind of hold up their end of the bargain. You know, they're getting free free rent and free meals consistently and constantly. Free car, so, car insurance, yeah. what else? That's I what I got. Add it to the oh, list. And I got to leave it with, uh, so I do have two fantasy football leagues, which is the one soulless, but man, my fantasy football team. So the message from Yahoo Sports this week was, "Oh no, I, pl- I played Mark's marvelous team or whatever in our league. And it said, Mark, your team was terrible this week, but the team you played was worse. And that was no. me. I was the team that was no. worse. I scored 70 points. Mark scored 80 points. I scored 78 points and lost. I have the worst fantasy football team in the entire world. I mean, Me Russell too. Wilson came back as I was like, yes, Russell Wilson's off they IR. They got beat 17 to nothing. <laughs> like, oh what the? Yeah, so, and, and DK, I had DK Metcalf. I'm like, Russell Wilson's back. Uh, this guy's going to yeah, light it up again. It's going to be great. Yeah, but you still won. You eked out a win. I I have I had Russell Wilson. I also had um oh I had Mac Jones because I've been using him when Russell Wilson is oh, hurt. Yeah. And Mac Jones, I had him on went the bench. Off. So guess what? He went off. So that's my fantasy football season. I had to throw that in there. I mean, I should just send the money now and stop making transactions because I love at the end of the year our commissioner's like, Well, you made seventy five transactions. That's another thousand dollars. I'm like, why am I making transactions? I'm two mm. and ten. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, pull pull the cord. Just the rip cord. Just go poof. Just kind of parachute into the end of the season, dude. Um, yeah, I'm still in contention. I'm in first place, so boom. Mm. The the last thing for Blum's blasts is I'm watching college football. I'm watching the National Football League. The National Football League doesn't necessarily do it, but I'm watching college football and these dudes put on these ridiculously, obnoxiously, humongous. <laughs> gold chains with bling and spinners and for an interception. And I'm watching, you know, it's like Miami of Ohio against Podunk Directional State. And Podunk Directional State guy, you know, basically it looks like he throws it, but it looks like a punt. And the guy and the, and the safety catches it, you know, returns it, gets tackled, goes straight to the bench and, you know, they put on a chain. I'm like, "Why what? There is there can there be a certain level of chain turnover chain wearing?" If you get if you get a you know a, a, a if you get an interception that's tipped, if you get one that's just basically a launch down the field blindly because I'm getting smoked in the behind the line of scrimmage, and you catch it, is that are you really like, f yeah, dude, I got my turnover change. Check me out. I where did the turnover chain come from? Why is it there? Why is why do you wear it when you score a touchdown? And this is the old man. This is part of the Tuttle in me. <laughs> And I remember when greatness was expected, not in a world where we give everyone a trophy now. Why? So that's probably my question. In a world where everybody wants to be given a trophy, why are we giving out the t- turnover touchdown chain? Why are we glorifying this? I don't. I'm, I'm confused. I think it's obnoxious, and that's the old man Blum in me right there. You're befuddled, bewildered, as they said Completely. in Birdcage. I'm Completely. befuddled, bewildered, bewitched. Hey, um, like, what is this guy doing? So 
uh, Blummer, we can make a whole podcast out of this, but this is why pitchers don't like guys pimping stuff. I mean, watching the Red Sox take the shopping cart and up and I down agree. the thing. I mean, I get the pimp or the yeah. bat flip in a big situation, but yeah. if I'm bat flipping down eight to nothing, yeah. man, go ahead, dome yeah. me. I'm done. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, there you go, dome me. There you go. There's an old school <laughs> baseball player for you. Just I know, give me one right in the ribs. I deserve it. Yeah. No, but I I think it's just uh you know it is it's the old man in us it's a microcosm of society we've seen it now it permeates through baseball through everything else I mean the guy's got the shopping cart and the you know uh, with the Red Sox they have the shopping cart somebody else has a chain in the in baseball Jock Peterson had the pearls they were doing something like that oh dear God um but the uh, but yeah I don't get it either I mean what did they say like act like you've been there before. I mean, you score a touchdown, you know, every turnover in the NFL because they now allow celebration, the whole defense goes down and they pose in the in I the, do like the whole defense going and pose. I do I do enjoy that because it's like all 11 guys are like, yeah, you know, I get, well, I, I get that to a so point. So you realize it's a big situation, but do we have to do it every time to your point? No, like if yes. it means something, like if you won the game on that play, but why does, you know, like you said, it's Varying a fumble, you're up 42 to seven. <laughs> like, well, let's go down and, you know, let's all pose in front of the camera. I just yeah it's become kind of a um it's become an unnecessary ceremony and i think what i always like about celebrations and i never like to stifle the celebrations is when you're in it and you make a play like you said the pimping of the home run that wins the world series or wins a game or like that's great i mean that's that's it's exhilaration and you can see it and feel it what? I mean, it's but not man, premeditated. But, Maybe that's the thing. It's not premeditated. It. It's in the moment. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the premeditation just it stifles it for me and ruins it. And I'm I'm with you. So shocker that the old men here are like, you know what? <laughs> no, what are these children doing? I don't even like the rope Let chain the they're using. That is too big. Yeah, is that real gold? That's expensive. Jeez, we could put that in the bank and make some money on that. Well, shoot, some the NCAA is probably making sure it's not real or not donated or else they're going to suspend these guys or take away their scholarship or something stupid. I saw the one Debo Samuel had on. He's in the NFL. That thing looked real. I was like, damn. I was going to say, maybe that's what I saw too, man. That thing was unreal. I'm like, dude, you could break that down and make 35 very nice necklaces out of that thing, dude. Yeah. And you know what someone say? Like, they're going to make the the Super Bowl rings out of that, but I don't think they're winning (laughs) one. So it's like, you guys wasted your money. I don't know. I know. Hopefully, that yeah, Rams are an interesting case. Maybe they do turn it around, but uh, that's going to do it, man. Yeah, we were very succinct, very on target with this. I have a, uh, I have an important conference call after this, which is why I'm ruining this podcast and ending it You're so quickly. Ruining. But I thought it went really well. There were some good key topics, some current events. Nicely done, Tuttle. We should probably roll it like this uh, more often. You're the professional TV guy. You're like, this is what we're going to talk about. This is how we're going to do it. Um, my COVID like test did come back. I have my surgery tomorrow. My COVID test was negative. So there you go. Tuttle's negative Yay! COVID. That's public That's good news. news. Best of luck yeah, with all that, man. Yeah, it should be fine. But uh, I'm glad we got another one of these in the in the can. Uh, There's so many ways you can go with that. <clears throat> yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Tuttle, Tuttle, Tuttle got a podcast in the can. Um, anyway, uh, we'd like to wrap up the podcast by thanking uh, first responders military, uh, police, fire, teachers, everybody out there putting themselves in harm way, especially during this uh, pandemic time, right? Being around other people could be challenging. And uh, there are people that choose to do it so that we can have our freedoms. Um, and uh, we greatly appreciate you. Um, that's, that's all we can say. We greatly appreciate you. So remember, if you're over the age of 45, get screened for colorectal cancer and blummer. Take us out of here. Yeah, I would just like to let everybody know I selectively use COVID as an excuse to stay away from people. 
And until next time, get after it and believe it. Believe it. Three, two...